and we're live. Hey, John. Hey, fellow purger, Marcy. Happy purging. Happy Remembrance Day. Happy Remembrance Day. Did we not call that? Uh, We called it. We're calling a lot in this episode, by the way. I I agree. Um, I'm really excited to talk about this episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Pop Culture Theologians. My name is Marcy. Uh, and this is uh, my friend John, uh, and we are, I guess, John. We are the pop culture theologians. Yeah, yeah, we are. <laughs> yeah, own that. Own that. We uh, we break down uh, TV and film uh, through a pop theo- theology lens that we've kind of developed as our own. We are theologians by trade, pop culture fans by birth. And uh, we're really excited to be breaking down The Purge. The Purge was actually the first show that we broke down over a year ago, over 50 episodes ago. So really excited. Oh my God, that's so long ago. <laughs> it's a really long time ago. Um, so if you want to shout us out, uh, you can find us in a ton of places. You can find us um, on our host website, The Engaged Gaze. You can find us on Twitter at Pop Theologians. You can find me. I'm very active on Twitter just on a day-to-day life because I have generalized anxiety. You can find me at I am the men who can. And John, where can we find you on social media? At J Erickson85. Basic bitch right there, ladies and gentlemen. That's right. so we tend to start off our purge recaps with our what the fucks of the week and the reason we do that for anyone tuning in who is new which i doubt it uh why would you be turning in after uh four episodes but if you're new welcome we're so excited you're here um is we are taking a look at the ways in which the purge and everything that the purge world is kind of talking about is happening in our own world right now uh so so, John, why don't you walk me through what the fuck happened this week? Because I've been traveling. I have no idea. You have no idea. Even though if you follow you on Twitter, you definitely know what you're going, what's going on. I do know what's going on. <laughs> so, a lot of fun stuff happened this week. Um, most importantly, Trump continues to get booed a lot. And basically, he is a, just attending, like, all these random sports festivals or whatever it is. And, like hoping people don't realize that he's a fascist dictator or something so of course he goes to like the one place where like they may probably agree with him maybe an alabama football game maybe not but basically well, the he students was in New York, right for a, a ufc um like a, a fighting championship and it didn't go well there right it didn't go well anywhere has not gone well so he's going down to alabama to watch football and the student government of the university is like threatening the students that boo that they could lose their like student tickets that they get every year if they boo him um at the game which i say the more the merrier that's also illegal uh, so, yeah, um, also would, like illegal, but you know. Yes, I would love for the University of Alabama to take my rights away and to take them to court. So, um, if you have student loans, definitely go boo and then challenge them on your First Amendment rights. Exactly. Uh, Maybe this is how you get it out. Right. We don't live in a fascist state. It is our fundamental right to voice our opinions and to dissent fascism. So. Yeah. What else happened this week? Oh, well, I'm going to skip down to the third one that I've listed out because this is like really fun. So Virginia 
finally flipped blue and we flipped the Kentucky governorship. So it's blue all around. An election, um, depending on when you're listening to this, was just held this past Tuesday um, in various states, mostly like Louisiana, Mississippi, Virginia and Georgia, and then like city council elections randomly here and there. And the big news is that Virginia, for the first time in a generation, is controlled by Democrats. And um, the governorship of Kentucky got flipped to a guy named Bashar there who beat this horrible dick guy named Bevan, who totally reminds me of like a headless torso guy that you would find on Grinder. Is that what you search for on? <laughs> yeah, there's an actual search filter. But I'm just saying, like, he totally, like, in all the, like, memes that I'm looking at, like, he's totally that, like, middle-aged white dad that, like, travels all around the country for, quote-unquote, traveling trips, right? And, like, obviously has a family but tries to get something on the side. Oh, interesting. Well, I was really excited to see so many places from Blue. Um, the narrative that the resistance isn't happening is starting to crumble everything from these like Trump getting booed at non-staged rallies, which if you don't understand that those rallies are staged, like, and not by George Soros folks, like, I mean, like legit, those are staged rallies. Like he's been around people who have been saying yes for four years. Um, it's really, it's good to start seeing real resistance and real um, patriotism just being like, Nope, absolutely not. Like this is ridiculous. So um if he gets yeah. booed at a ufc fight came like literally i'm i mean yeah like but here's the thing like i i'm obviously not like a natural optimist but i do think that like the, the i don't think he has a stronghold really anywhere i think there are bigots racist white supremacists everywhere but the narrative that there are places where he would just be popular i just don't think exists anymore uh does that mean i don't think he will win the election no that doesn't mean that um i think every single one of us needs to get out and vote and i think that we need to seriously step up our game uh in understanding what like intelligence in 2019 looks like and treason and espionage uh with tech uh looks like but but i just yeah like i think the narrative that like there's somewhere where he i mean maybe pensacola but there'd still be people who would be like no and boo him so i don't know but that's just kind of how i feel about it and what's your third fuck of the week this week because i am actually very much intrigued by this one uh jeffrey epstein didn't kill himself that is the best moment that has ever happened on fox news um if y'all do not know, um, one of the very brave servicemen who handles uh, the bo- the bomb sniffing dogs, uh, Navy SEALs, right? It's whatever. SEALs, whatever. Um, was on Fox. We love the dogs. Thank you for your service. Love the dogs. We we thank you for your service. You guys are adorable. Um, you're a good boy and a good girl. Um, this guy went on Fox News to say, you know, like when um, because of Baghdadi and the the. Uh, the killing of this ISIS leader um, and the fact that Trump for some reason was like harping on the fact that like a service dog was involved in this. Um, This guy went on Fox news and was like, Hey, you know, like when stuff like this happens, all of a sudden everyone wants a fucking German shepherd or a Belgian Malinois. And um, these dogs are, are not easy work. They need training. They need a lot of love. Like, please either get yourself a trained dog and commit to these animals. I say this as a German shepherd owner, like German shepherds are a full-time job. They're the best, but that is like, apparently people just get them because they're like, Oh my God, they're so amazing. And they 
sniff out bombs and then return them six weeks later when they're like, oh my God, that dog doesn't love my toddler. And it's like, no, like you don't know how to train your dog. And then he goes, or just don't get one. And the Fox News anchor was like, thank you so much. And he goes, also, can I just do one small thing? Uh, Epstein didn't kill himself. And <laughs> it is, guys, if you haven't seen this video, like this is on Fox News on live television. And this man was like, Epstein didn't kill himself. The like, Twitter video of that lady laughing is all of us. Oh, the woman who captured this live, because obviously they're not going to re-air it again and it went viral on Twitter. Like, she sounded like I did. I sounded like a witch cackling because I could not believe that this man, who, by the way, is part of the system. Like, this is a military m- military man. This is probably, or at least used to be, a, a conservative, like, Here's this guy who reclaims his time on Fox News, which is right now pretty much stink-sanctioned media. And is like, they fucking killed Jeffrey Epstein. There is a story there. Get the get this shit out, right? It was amazing. Fox News didn't know what to do. And this is just a moment to remember that Jeffrey Epstein was the tip of an iceberg of a global uh, child sex ring. Everyone is fucking involved. I mean, every single person that you're like, not him, is somewhere in his fucking book. It is absolutely horrifying. If you have not read any of the work on this, please check out the journalists from the Miami Herald who should have won a Pulitzer for it and were specifically silenced. Just go to Miami Herald, Epstein, and just read up on this case. I mean, I'm talking everyone from, obviously, Bill Clinton to Bill Gates, Donald Trump, Prince Andrew. Oh, God, yeah. Everyone. And as a woman... um. It, please like lift up the voices of the women who have come out and talked because until we defeat the idea that elite men can do this, um, we can't even start to, to, to work on the ways in which this type of horror trickles down. So that's how I feel about it. So yes, no, Jeffrey Epstein did not kill himself. Like that is a laughable theory. Uh, and we he all was straight up murdered straight up. Like, Oh, the camera stopped working at 422. Yeah, he was purged, y'all. And we'll talk about what it means to go into a cell and turn the cameras off in this episode. In any other world, like, this would be going everywhere. But, like, this shows you, like, how powerful media, how powerful people, like, fucking Prince Andrew people. Like, he was getting y'all, children I'm, I'm for Prince a- Andrew. Yeah, I am not a conspiracy theorist, but I am 100% convinced that the vitriol that Meghan Markle has had to go through as a woman of color and the way that the news has fixated on her in the UK has been purposefully encouraged by the British family to take heat off of Prince Andrew. And that's my uh, final uh, No, and I also- die on that hill. I but would, uh, Prince Harry's been actively cheating on, we can talk about this no, offline. Not Harry. Prince no, Prin- uh, no, Prince Harry is also cheating on Meghan Markle. That's why they did. You didn't read all that? Oh, I got articles to send you. So apparently, we've got some tea to, to catch up on. So uh, just for the listeners, in case you want to listen or go read it on your own, all the amazing stuff about Meghan Markle, which, by the way, is legitimate and people are treating her like trash and people do not respect moms or people that are currently thrown into like the public limelight. All that's legitimate. But it is a media campaign by the the crown or whatever the office is because Prince Harry is actively 
engaged in an affair with someone else and it's it's all in the british tabloids it's everywhere um but no one's actually picking up on it so i don't actually believe that i think that's all still part of the campaign which is why john and i disagree on shit and pop culture in general uh but uh, but we do agree that we'll jeff Epstein did kill himself we'll definitely sip on some tea um uh yeah so let's talk the purge Okay, so um, we start off with like what, like a public service announcement on Remembrance Day. This episode, yeah, it's they're starting off all the episodes in like a really weird, like this is normal life in Purge World. Here's your flowers for having your uncle killed. Like it's, it's like this one was really quick. This was like a minute long. The the um the PSA? Yeah. Not I mean like not really just like the PSA, but like kind of you know showing around like you see this guy going around and giving people like flowers. You're gonna see like the mass production of like what the purge is, like and how they try to reclassify the narrative of like sacrifice, like you're sacrificing for your government, just kind of like in times of war, like he gave his life for America. That language was really interesting because yeah. um, this is this is controversial, but I would say it's becoming less and less so controversial as years go, go by. Um, the kids who are who join the military in the United States are targeted. They're usually lower income kids, uh, lower education kids. We go, we send them to pointless wars, and then when they come back, we simultaneously say that they are heroes and deserve our respect, but then offer them none um, as human beings. And I was I was tying that to this idea that we would say, like, you know, thank you for your service. And we saw this in season one for for being like for participating in the purge. And it's like, well, it wasn't like I don't think anyone chooses to get purged, and it's definitely not of service. Um, so kind of like this bastardization of honor that I thought was like really interesting. Yeah. I mean, I thought how that opening, it was one of my more, um, I like this one a little bit more than so how the other episodes opened. I really kind of like this because I do like the show in regards to how they're giving us like new little inroads to, you know, the purge world in some way. I agree. Um, so then we move on to Esme, Miss Nancy Drew. Yeah, I'm. I've Marcy is doing her best job to read from an outline that I wrote, and I threw in lots of shade in this outline, and I've come up with some nicknames for our beloved character. But I mean, we've talked about this, like this whole the last four episodes, we've had Esme doing her investigator thing, trying to find out who killed her friends. Um, so Nancy Drew actually doesn't even feel that shady. I mean, it, it is technically the detective storyline where we're supposed to all be trying to figure out what the fuck is happening. So she meets up with Marcus's son, right? Yeah. And Ooh, I still can't believe that's his son. There, I mean, we'll get to that, but you know. Right, right. So she meets up with Marcus's son who was working with the doctor, um, with the professor, not the doctor. Well, I guess both. Um, and it looks like her research showed that addiction to violence was a very real thing. So like that the purge was changing the ways in which people interacted with violence and it changed the way that like um, the brain processed violence. And like, she was like, and this is, this is a little frustrating to me. Like the, she was like, but that's not what the data shows. And 
it takes um it takes marcus's son i think his name is is it dylan um like it marcus's son is like dude that data is fake yeah and like, like yeah. Like your shit together. Like that dad is not real. That dad is there to support the NFFA. And I'm like, thank you uh, for waking up the woman who is working in the NFFA. Like who's not complicit with the NFFA. It's like, like the person that works for ICE and be like, there are no kids in cages. What are you talking about? Right. Right. It, so I'm like, I feel like I'm supposed to be more sympathetic towards Esme, but like, I can't find that in myself because in this moment in time in history in 2019, yes. All I can think of is like an ICE detention center, uh, like officer who's like it's a really hard time to do ice detention because everyone hates us because you're awful like you, it's like people like, saying like it's a really hard time to be a white man in america it is a very hard time <laughs> <laughs> it is I, it's I, like a really hard time to be a fascist in america you know like everyone's just like so mad at me Everyone's just so speaking of angry white men <laughs> oh god uh, uh, we transitioned from Esmeg, like, here's this woman disregarding this man of color who's like, here's all the data, here's everything. And she's like, I don't know. This is probably not failing. And I'm like, opinion? Esmeralda. I don't I don't even know if her name is Esmeralda, but I'm like, come on. <laughs> Sounds better if that's her name, by the way. Oh, it makes it, I mean, it would make it more poignant. Um, I say that as a Latino, so... So speaking of white men, Ben. So Ben's still pissed. <laughs> In the outline, Ben is still angry. Ben is still angry and has not healed, y'all. Uh, no. no shocker. No shocker there. But he's uh, got a buddy. He does. I mean, look, if you are a person in this world who has struggled with depression and anxiety, raise your hand. I'm raising my hand. Mm -hmm. uh, how many of us have not been told to go to yoga? Or to boxing. Or I have never been told to go to yoga because... Because you're a man. <laughs> yeah. And that's sexism. People have told me, like, you should just go to the gym more. And I'm like, okay. Every, I mean, yeah, I, I get told all the time when, like, I'm very upfront, um, even in my professional life, that I struggle with depression, anxiety, that I have diagnosed ADHD, I have um, you know, generalized anxiety, and, like, that I... I survive and I thrive in spite of it. And I think it's important to do that because so many of us don't talk about it. And then it's like, we're all hiding how like, we're like high functioning, like folks, like when it's not really high functioning, I'm like barely alive. Um, and then some, when you do tell someone, I mean, nine out of 10 times, have you tried exercising? And it's like, yes, bitch, I have tried exercising. But thank you. <laughs> I'm going to do it again just because you asked. And you know what? I'll also pick up a cactus on the way because I heard keeping a plant alive is also helpful. Have um, you tried sipping tea? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh, all the Have you tried turmeric tea? So Ben clearly has not tried turmeric tea, but he did get roped into doing some self-care uh, with his boxing buddy. He's got a Tybo. Tybo. Uh, so he's clearly trying, and I will say that, believe it or not, I feel more sympathy for Ben than I do for Esme. So Ben is trying to figure out what has broken and how to deal with it. And I think that he is a, obviously he's a murderer, but I'm trying to go along with the idea that we are supposed to be examining Ben's experience as someone who was forced to purge. So it makes sense to me that he's trying to find ways to get the violence out of his system that are not violent per se. So the video games, the exercising, um, 
the sex that he could barely pull off in the last episode. Like that all makes mm-hmm. sense, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but we know when he's talking to his girlfriend that he has been following this dead farmer story very closely. Because remember, it's um, three months after the last episode. Right. Here's the thing that's confusing to, to me. Um, if my boyfriend, or if my John Erickson, if my John came to me and was like, I was forced to purge on purge night. I'm okay. I really liked it though, but I'm a little confused, but I'll be fine. And three months later, I see him stalking a story about a dead person. Who picks berries. Um, who is local. I might wonder if perchance my John may have killed again. And this girl is written like the dumbest woman that has ever walked into a fraternity, which is a very low bar. And like, like live there. I can't, I don't, it is, she is, oh my God. I'm just like, she's like, oh, like that story about that berry farmer that you're following, like, looks like they have more info and his face is like oh shit my dna right and she she's no nancy drew right she's no esme she's like weird that he's like anxious about it like Like, why is he so upset it was it's really frustrating to watch and then like i'm also like he's not interested in me girl like he's more interested in his boxing buddy who's like an incel who's like you know there's a lot of us out here who love killing like like it's over like that relationship is like over um but but I think it's interesting that it is noted that it looks like even though he was stabbed, he died from the heat. Because that technically means that he wasn't, like, in his head, I'm thinking, Ben's like, oh, so I didn't officially kill him. Even though that yeah. true. And like, for Ben, he kind of is like, oh, wait, what? And so it just kind of, for you, the viewer, it shows how the media is controlled and operated. Yeah, which is, because that should definitely trigger us to know that the information that was given to Esme is accurate. That we know for a fact that Ben stabbed this man. Mm-hmm. I feel very comfortable saying that the idea that he died of heat stroke is probably not true. Um, but now we know that the NFFA is manipulating facts, creating, shall we say, alternative facts to uh to bolster up the idea that it is safe to exist outside of purge yep so yeah um and then i love this line that his girlfriend says so how are you doing with all that purge stuff (laughs) (laughs) what happens on purge night stays on purge night someone got paid to write that line and that someone is not a woman (laughs) because like honestly ooh, that was some Listen, George, if you're listening to this episode and you're the lead writer, <laughs> we're so sorry, but come on. I'm a, I am a writer. I, like, I, I'm a writer. I also come from a family that has, that worked in entertainment for a long time in film. And, like, I, I know, like, that it is rough to find women writers, I guess, uh, there must be none. There must be none because how else do you end up with a line uh, that is a woman looking at a boyfriend and she's like, how's all that purge stuff? No, no. Get more women writers in your writing room. And again, 
I will shit on anything because I love it. I love the purge. I love it, but this is insulting to your women viewers. This entire character is insulting. This question almost made me turn off my TV. Really? Yeah, because it's unbelievable. Like, that is not a question. That is not a question a human would ask. Like, no, no, come on. Come on, guys. You do better. Or as Melania would say, be best. Be best. Come on, guys. <laughs> be best. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah. That's how I feel about it. So talk to me about Marcus. So we got to like the really only interesting storyline that I find out. Um, and Marcus is still searching for white, what's right before him, AKA his wife, <laughs> second wife who definitely tried to purge. I mean, we don't know. I don't think she tried to purge him at all. I know you do. Uh, okay. We'll have to see. This will be one of those great moments for the listeners who like, probably relish in the amount of times Marcy's been right over me, but like we're just setting either myself up for success or Marcy, which is most likely the case up for success. <laughs> um, but he and his wife definitely are having like some issues at the this moment. Like my favorite storyline we have seen develop since the cult in season one. Yeah, it's good. I'm really liking it. And I really like where they went with Marcus's storyline this episode. Agreed. I think it is a comment on community, on how community can Yes. And I love his first wife. Me too. Oh, I thought you were saying the first wife murdered him. I'm like, hands down, she did not. No, second wife totally second tried to wife, purchase us. I, I'm with you that I'm starting to be a little bit like, hey, Marcus. Um, I And I even have theories on why. But I love the fact that Marcus um, and these flashbacks uh, to his early life, um, in a community of color like like in a neighborhood that you know was not this like stanton security neighborhood where he was surrounded by community and people who loved him like you can see that the purge is a very different experience than the purge that rich people have they look out for each other we get this flashback where someone comes in and tries to kill kill his wife and they're able to talk him down and be like dude we've got you like whatever is we're gonna get there dude Whatever is hurting you, we are here, man. This isn't- Yeah, we'll get there. Like, you know, like, we're here for you. Like, we get it. It was such a great flashback. And here's the thing. Um, I just came back from doing, like, racial equity work in in Cleveland. And and one of the things uh, some of the- Of all places. Of all places. uh, Some of the women and I were talking about is that in communities of color, black and brown communities, we do have this sense of, like, aunties and uncles and and fulanito down the street and like there is a sense of communal responsibility for each other that is really really like specific culturally to kind of like this like it's the opposite of like the american dream which is like no, you don't get this humongous house with a picket fence and keep everyone out. It's we all live together and we sur- we thrive together, we suffer together, we protect each other. And um, so I really I really like the idea that Marcus and we see this coming up. Like Marcus made an act- active choice to pick white supremacy and whiteness as safe over his own identity. Um, so talk to me about, um, we'll get to that. We'll get to, um, this flashback to, 
to Marcus's early days, but then we do have like a little bit of a moment um, with with Ryan, Hot Daddy Robber. Yeah, Hot Daddy. Ro- so basically, this is a storyline I just don't really care about. But basically, Hot Daddy Robber Ryan and his team are trying to live their best tech gadget lives, and they are trying to plan some type of heist because in the last episode, they noticed that the bank was kind of in on why they couldn't cash out the way they did and so they're trying to figure out and plan something so they're going around testing like this tech that shuts down cameras or something right and then we go back to nffa uh, and esme for a second she's doing more of her researching she's Uh, a researcher (laughs) and what does she find out john she finds out that in the files that we saw in the beginning of the episode of her doctor, professor friend or whatever, of the people she was studying, all of those people are deceased, but one. And this is important. Why? Um, because it shows that um, the NFFA, most likely, uh, she doesn't believe it at first, is behind killing these people because they're trying to kill the research that says... Um, People are addicted to violence, so the purge isn't really about releasing anger, which the NFFA uses propaganda to forcing. The rest of the year is all sunshine and rainbows, and the one night of the year purge, it helps you get out all of that anger. But what it really does is it gets them addicted to anger, which is what they're trying to do with the Ben storyline, even though they're failing at it, because, listen, what he does at the end of the episode, that did not just happen on purge night, okay? Agreed, agreed. Um... So we quickly go see Ben at the Purge supply store. We do. And I think this was, so the reason I stalled for a second is I was trying to come up with the word for um, payday lenders and all this. So like, it's interesting to me that there's, so he's at the Purge supply store, like you put it. Um, I it. I think there's literally a sign that says Purge supply store. Right. If not, it's like an NRA sponsored gun shop, right? Like with like crazy ass, like Hunger Games style, like shit. Um, and there's like a sign that says like, no credit, no problem. Like there's, so you can tell that this is being actively propped up by the government, right? Mm-hmm. Access to weapons. It, like, I don't think it's a thing for like, I don't think these shops exist in communities of color, but in white communities, yes, they do. Um, and, and like, because I, I remember in Purge Anarchy, like guns were scarce in the inner city. Um, and it, you know, like it was like, you can get one for like eight times the price. Whereas here's Ben walking in and they're like, dude, here's like an, a quadruple like knife bow, take it. Right. Like here's like, so I think it was, it was interesting to see like, um, when we talk about gun laws in the U S like there's always this like dark humor that if people of color bought guns at the rate white people do guns would be restricted by tomorrow. Yeah. Right. So, so Ben just gets to buy whatever the hell he wants. And then he, he makes his friend, um, this incel friend, um, the one who tells him like, bro, there's so many of us, like, um, and this kind of hit me hard and can I tell you why it was because of that manifesto from El Paso, yeah. like pretty much was like, we're, we're watching, like, there's so many of us, you guys think there's one of us, there's so many of us. So that kind of hit me really hard. Cause I was like, Oh God, like this is rhetoric that we've already seen used against communities. 
So yeah. And you hear him say later on in the episode, this friend that Ben meets, um, that he every time someone pisses him off, like he totally makes a list or like he doesn't purge his roommate because he helps him do his chem homework. I mean, it's just all there. And so you kind of see all of these instances where you're like, mm, okay. <laughs> yep. So then we go back to Marcus and um he is going to a remembrance night party um, in his old neighborhood. In his old neighborhood with his ex-wife and his son. Um, but we get that um flashback. flashback to 14 years before with his wife. Um and um this is gonna go a bit out of order, but like I'd like to go through um like this original purge that he experienced where like the dude comes into the the house and like takes his wife um like by a knife and they're able to talk him out of it um again i think is pointing to the to how powerful community can be against staying sanctioned violence in my head i'm thinking right now of the communities like in ferguson and in um some like in so many communities that have been affected by like state-sanctioned violence, um, communities of color in particular, and how their response back is always, like, a communal organizing, almost, you know? Yeah. Um, and, I, and I thought that that spoke also to his wife and, like, his wife understanding that this person... Because I wouldn't have the fortitude to be, like, the person holding this knife to my head is just hurting. Yeah. Like, I'd be like, I'm about to die. <laughs> But she is a big enough person to be to like talk him down and they talk him down together, um, which I think is important. Um, so, yeah, um, in between the the first flashback and the rest of the story, Esme is still doing her her, you know, Nancy Drew shit. The cop is still trying to figure out how to break into a bank um something i call him hot daddy x cop with morals right um right so we obviously get this flashback now from from marcus and then we're in present day and a car pulls up to the remembrance party that looks exactly like the car that tried to run him over when he was running with his beats by dre <laughs> you had thrown the beats by dre well, just, I'm still upset because Marcus is too smart to run with earphones on when there's a $75,000 hit on his life. I mean, come on, Marcus. I mean, come on, girl. Come on, Marcus. Um, and so he gets upset. He like throws this guy up against another car and he's like, you tried to purge me. Everyone gets involved. His ex-wife is like, yo, like, no. His son's like, you're a dick dad. You abandoned me. Not really, but like. <laughs> and, but the thing about the party is it shows that it is a community. He's the one that left. He's the outsider now yeah he's the outsider because they all in the flashback go back to marcus's house to like take refuge together because they're like stronger together as his ex-wife says you know right right and like his his wife his ex-wife is like get your shit together bro like everyone has that car no one no one hears has tried to purge you and then he tells her like hey like the detective with someone near here and then she's like well there was someone asking about you a while ago and i will say that's a little weird that she didn't think to be like hey marcus there's some dude asking about you but we don't actually find out who it was in this episode so i'm gonna wait and hold off judgment until 
his wife tells us like who's been asking about him. Mm -hmm. So then we go back to the sprat party with Ben. Ay, ay, ay. And um, I feel like they wrote me into this episode. I'm the girl with this shirt that says be on the right side of his bird. <laughs> Who's passing around her like little leaflets. Who's like definitely like not getting laid and is very unpopular, but is completely right. <laughs> I actually think she's probably having more sex than we thought. The nerds always do. Oh, you're so cute. Um, that's it's true. That's so true. Um, so, she, so there's this girl, she's like, just like, she has taken up shop at the front of this frat to let everyone know, like, hey, like that MAGA hat you're wearing, that NFFA hat, not cool. Oh, yeah. Wrong Ooh. side of history. Wrong yeah. side. It's, I mean, it's true, but you know. <laughs> it, it's true. Um, and so Ben is at this, because all he does is party. I, we've never seen him go to class, really. I guess the one professor died and there was no one else to teach class. Yeah. Um, and we all know he wasn't taking her like intro to gender studies class. I completely agree. Um, but Ben runs into Cameron, who he's is definitely a business major. One, he's definitely getting an MBA <laughs> for sure. For sure. Uh, and he probably has some ideas for like a tech startup. Uh. <laughs> so he runs into Cameron, his buddy who left him on purge night. Oh. Um, he looks messed up. So I feel like his fear of Ben is gone and now he's just himself. So he's like a drunk mess who is assaulting a girl on the side. Um, and I thought it was interesting that they do let us see like that there is like this connection between the folks who go out on purge night and toxic masculinity and rape culture because we do see Cameron just like refuse to leave this girl alone. And Ben's watching it. And kind of judging it, right? And I think it's interesting that Ben would judge a dude who was like sexually harassing a woman when he is a murderer. But yeah. that would prop up the idea that the research shows that like something's wrong with Ben now. Like Ben is not okay. It's the, none of this is like a a conscious choice. Mm-hmm. You know? So, so then walk me through going back to going back to Nancy Drew. So Nancy Drew is now looking for the individual that she, when she was going through the government files that she had um, for the one person that didn't die. Her name's Olivia. And she goes to her apartment um, and she see, runs into his land, her landlord and says, you know, I work for the NFFA. And apparently that's like the get out of jail free card. And he like lets her in. And then all of a sudden they discover this lady's body and she is dead. We as viewers know yeah. that she is not, she did not commit suicide, but she was most likely murdered. But we run into the body and Esme meets a cop who she kind of exchanges numbers with. Yep. Yep. Um, this, again, like, I'm just not sure what we're following here. Unless it's, like, unless it's Esme's deconstruction from someone who is complicit to someone who realizes she's working in a bad system which could be what we're watching it's like her awakening yeah and i'm I'm okay with that uh anytime is a good time to join the resistance um and she is trying to utilize the master's tools to dismantle the master's house like the audrey lord quote but what we all understand is is that you can never dismantle the master's tools with the master's house also agreed, which you know made me very unpopular in grad school. Yep. 
Yeah, we have stories, my friends. We do have stories. You're not going to change the Catholic Church from inside, girls. So keep having fun. All right. That's Make it. sure you're subscribed to our other podcast. Well, this podcast, but we're talking his dark materials. We'll be talking about that. Yep. Uh, and our Bible bitches also cover a lot of this, too. So oh, yeah. That's our sister podcast on Engage Gaze. Um, so, yeah. So, so Esme. Esme, um, I think it's just kind of having this awakening. And I like I I will I will sit with that. I, I will stop making fun of Nancy Drew if this is supposed to be the woman with power waking up to the fact that she has no power. Yeah, she's just a cog in the wheel. Right, 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 right. Um, and then the woman who killed herself is Esme's sister. Did you say that? Yeah, I think she's her sister. Or the episode ends really weird. It was hard for me to hear, but basically what happens at the end of the episode is that Esme goes back to the NFFA headquarters and she understands um, that she keeps looking into all this stuff and the cop calls her to let her know it's died by an apparent suicide. But then he starts asking her about the lady and says something like, how'd you know that she was my sister? It's weird. Like I'm not invested in it, so I just don't really care. I think, I think it was, and I think that, like, that is that aha moment where she's, like, and we've seen her turn off her phone and, like, put tape over her camera on her computer, but, like, that's the moment she realizes nothing she's doing is not watched. Yeah. Um, nothing. And, um, and I think from well, here Well, she now, doesn't realize it. She's, the NFFA people are watching her. She hasn't discovered that yet. See, I felt like the end of the, sh- the episode, her face was her registering that they are. Oh, you read it that way. Okay. That's how I read it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we'll see. And then going back to, to baby boy, Ben, he actually has this interaction. He goes upstairs and I, in my head, and I think probably in your head too, I'm like, oh, he's going to kill Cameron, the dude who left him behind. And, um, he has a hunting knife with him, which, you know, we all carry to frat parties. Um, Of course. Of course. Actually, Brent will tell you that, like, I have hidden knives all over this house because I don't believe in having a gun in your house. It puts, as a woman, it puts my life in more risk than if there isn't one. Mm-hmm. Um, that is not to say I think Brent is a violent man. He is, God bless him, a saint because he lives with me and puts up with me all day. And I am um, a wonderfully difficult person to love. Um, but I spend a lot of nights alone. And <laughs> I have hidden knives. I have like a Stanton security system. <laughs> like, but every once in a while, Brent will stumble on one of my knives and be like, the fuck? I'll be like, what? <laughs> what? It's for limes. That's what Ben said. It's for limes and tequila. And I really did think that Cameron was going to die. Um, and he didn't. I mean, he no. really, he really didn't. No, because we see at the end of the episode is that Ben actually isn't going after Cameron. He's actually going upstairs to get the God mask, Marcy's favorite mask. Um, and then he goes and he finds the Greenpeace girl or whatever her name is, who is passing out cards that say, say you know, the purge. He's <laughs> trying to purge Marcy. Right. And okay, I, I have a very big thought on this ending. Um, and it is that... You know, I will shit on some of this writing, but you know, I, I love y'all. Also, you can hire me, purge people. I will write with you. Um, I think that this is supposed to remind us of what the male patriarchal line looks like. Cameron may be a dick, but Cameron is his boy. 
Mm-hmm. Right? So I honest to God think the choice to kill the woman was a conscious choice to prioritize masculinity over anything else. Because the person who deserved to die in this episode, if we're trying to follow the storyline, is Cameron. He had been assaulting some woman. He left Ben out to die. And instead, he just goes after some girl he's never met. Because at the end of the day, men will protect men. Dicks will protect dicks. And women are not safe around men. And like that, I mean, like, I feel like that is strong, strongly implied and a very strong way to end this episode. Yeah. I think that this episode gets us at a lot of hints. We obviously start to see cracks in the Marcus story, which is probably the most compelling story that we're really going for. And ultimately, what we're trying to understand is that we've got a couple of lines here. I mean, we're talking about community in a lot of ways, like from either Marcus's community or from the purge community that you're kind of discovering with Ben getting into like this posse of purgers to then like the hot daddy cop purge stuff, you know? Right. Right. Um, I completely agree. So or Esme's like community with her sister and this professor. Yep. Agreed. And I do think we're having conversations about community. We've been having them. Um, so yeah. So I metaphorically get purged at the end of this episode, which is really disappointing um do you think I, he kills her because we don't see so you never yes, can I, i'm 100 percent sure that that is um what we just saw i just don't think they showed it on camera i think the god mask for those of us who have followed the purge for so long is enough to let us know that like ben has officially transitioned into god i think ben is either ben's either dead before the season is over or like the first uh, the the last episode is him on the new purge night like killing cameron I don't, I, 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 I think his arc has to be redemptive for someone, if not for Ben, then for someone else. So we'll um, I think you I, right. I want to see how he's connected to the larger story, I guess. I agree. So that's the end of the episode. John, I have to tell you, you were so wrong and I'm so going to call you out on it. I just Googled it because I knew it. I knew it. Prince William is cheating on Kate Middleton, and they have been using Harry and Meghan as a front for that. I knew my ginger wasn't cheating on my American princess. I mean, you don't know that for sure, and I refuse to admit I was wrong. You were wrong. You were so wrong, but I love you for it. Listeners, we are so glad for having you on board on this ride. Um, We will see you for purging next week. Happy purging. Happy purging.